Good morning. Please join me in prayer. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may hear your word with joy. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At the tabernacles will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Janet. After that reading, I'm, I'm almost hesitant to preach. You notice how, how the psalm ends. It says, wait upon the Lord. And Janet, I love how you gave space to breathe, room to breathe, even as you read that. It's a, this is a frantic season, and maybe, maybe, I don't know how the season works for you and for your family. Maybe the, you get to the 25th, and on December 26th, everything grinds to a sudden halt, or maybe things are still really frantic for you. It's appropriate in seasons like this to remind ourselves to slow down and to wait upon the Lord. This morning, we're just, we're going to reflect a little bit. I'm going to, um, I'm not, I'm not going to try to really communicate or convey a whole lot of information. Most spiritual growth doesn't come from being stuck with more information anyway. God is not so concerned about information as he is about transformation. And so this morning, I invite you 
Not so much to, to even listen as though I've got to remember everything the pastor said because the more I remember and the more information I stuff myself with, the better off I'll be. God doesn't, God doesn't actually work that way. Approach this not so much as trying to master the text, but rather to let yourself be mastered by it. Which often means being uh, still and listening and waiting upon the Lord. This morning, let's just reflect on one thing. One thing. Which is what the psalmist says in verse 4. He says, one thing. This is David, by the way, who wrote, one thing I have asked of the Lord. This is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing I have asked of the Lord. You know, in the new year season, I don't know if you make resolutions. Even if you don't make resolutions, maybe you still reflect on the past year and maybe you make plans or, you, you know, But as we're in this season of reflection, I invite you to consider how would you answer, how would you maybe better yet complete that sentence? One thing I have asked of the Lord. This is what I seek. How do you complete that sentence? What is the one thing? If I could ask God for one thing, and you can't do the middle school or the elementary school trick, you know, where you rub the lamp and the genie comes out and he says you get three wishes and you ask for two really good ones and then you say I want more wishes as my third wish. You don't get that. One thing. One thing. If God said you can ask me for one thing, what would you ask him for? What would you ask him for? King David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, it's important to remember the Psalms are poetry, so don't take this literally. This isn't David wanting to just like lay around in church all day and, and, you know, kind of sounds like that middle school relationship, like, no, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, this isn't what David is talking about. Remember in the Old Testament, and actually the New Testament develops this idea further, God's temple is where God is with his people. And it's a subtle distinction. We don't have time to flesh it out. But the temple is not in the Old Testament where you went to be with God. It's where God came to be with you. It's a symbol in itself of God's initiative-taking grace and love for his people. The temple is where God is present. So when David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, he's not saying I want to sit around in church all day. He's saying, I want God to be with me wherever I go and whenever and whatever. May God be with me. How do you answer that question? One thing I've asked of the Lord It's a pretty good answer. May God be with me wherever I go. So when I'm with my family, God be with me. When I'm at work, 
God be with me. When I'm shoveling snow, which I, is it, is it going to snow this year? Uh, when, when the time comes and I'm shoveling snow or snow blowing snow, God be with me. When I'm on hold with customer service and the robot voice tells me that they're experiencing a higher than usual call volume, God be with me. God be with me. I'm not sure there's a better answer to that question. What's your one thing? What's your one thing? God be with me. Some of you may be wondering, the, the astute theologians might be wondering, but wait a minute, Chris, isn't God always, isn't God always present? Isn't he everywhere? And isn't he, if, the, all the omnis, isn't he omnipotent and omnipresent? And he, yes, he is. But have you ever, um, you ever had a conversation with somebody and you knew somebody else was listening in? Like maybe it was being recorded or, or maybe you were just in a room, but you knew somebody else was the other side of the door in the corner listening, it changes how that conversation goes, doesn't it? When you know that somebody else is present, it changes your interaction in the here and now. So it's not so much David saying, God, please be with me, because if I don't pray this, then I'm afraid you won't be with me. No, God, God is. He's there. It may be more helpful to think about the prayer as this, God, I know you're here. I know you're here, but change me through your presence. Make me aware of it. Make me attentive to your presence. Would you be present in every place at every moment? And would I become the kind of person who lives like it? You see, Psalm 27 invites us, among other things, but it invites us to notice God present in every place and at every moment. Which is to say that following God for King David, and presumably for us, is central to life, is life itself, and is not an accessory to life. Think, think about an accessory. If you're, if you're looking for a new car, you want a great, like, you probably want heated seats, right? And if you can get a new car with heated seats, you're doing great, especially in the winter time. But that's an accessory. That's not the car. And if you don't have heated seats, you still hopefully have a perfectly functioning car. Or think about um, jewelry. I don't know a whole lot about this, so I'm kind of assuming this is going to get me in trouble. But what is, think about accessories to an outfit, Right? Your a necklace and a, and a watch. You know, I've got a watch I'm wearing. And, and accessories, I'm told, can really help pull an outfit together and make it, you know, and do whatever it is that they do. But accessories are not the outfit. And if you don't have the accessories, you're still dressed. We hope. In Psalm 27, David invites us and God invites us to consider What's the one thing I am after? And is my one thing a seeking and a waiting upon God? Or is it something else where God becomes an accessory? I'm going to live my life the way I think is best, the way I think is wise, the way I think is reasonable. And when, God, when I can invite God in to make things a little more convenient 
or a little more comfortable or a little more meaningful. Okay, God, you can, you can come with me then, but otherwise I've got this. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. What's your one thing? Oftentimes, finding that one thing, discerning that one thing means we have to slow down. We have to be willing to wait. And in our Amazon Prime free two-day delivery world, or like five days around Christmas time, waiting is becoming more and more radically countercultural. We think of waiting as just a necessary evil, as something to be avoided. Right? So when you're waiting at the doctor, you don't go to the doctor's office to wait in the waiting room. You go there to see the doctor. And you have to endure the waiting room, right? Because they're always a little bit overbooked. Um, but, but you're not there for the waiting. You're there to see the doctor. You just get through the waiting room as painlessly as you can. Same thing when you're in line at the supermarket. We, we treat waiting as something to be endured and gotten through as quickly as possible and hopefully eliminated from our modern convenient life. But King David here says that waiting, in some sense, is the point. It's not something to be gotten through. It is, in a sense, the thing itself. So what does it mean to wait upon the Lord what does it mean to say, along with King David, one thing I've asked of the Lord? This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. When we treat waiting as just an annoyance to get through, we find that we'll miss what's going on around us. when we're willing to stop and wait, then we can be present, we can be attentive to what's going on around us, and notice the beauty, even the beauty, dare I say, of the waiting room. Let me just um, urge you to think about this in, in one more sense, and then we'll move towards the Lord's Supper. This becomes especially difficult. You know, we've talked about some kind of extraordinary things, mostly ordinary waiting rooms and grocery stores and customer service phone calls. And those are easy to talk about and they're important for everyday life, but let me just urge you to consider there become times in life that waiting is more important than ever and those are often times of deep suffering. And when we're waiting and when we're going through a moment of deep suffering, we often ask, God, why are you doing this? It's like a season of waiting waiting to be healed, waiting to get better, waiting for a test result to come back. God, why are you doing this? If all of life becomes about seeking God rather than about seeking what we want, about waiting for the Lord instead of just getting answers, then it changes the question. What would it look like for your question no longer to be, God, why are you doing this? God, why me? And instead, to be, God, what are you doing in this? What are you doing in this? Do you see the difference? 
It's subtle, but it's very, very important. Why are you doing this is about the destination. Just get me to the answer as fast as you can. But what are you doing in this? It defies a neatly wrapped up resolution, and yet it demonstrates a deep trust that even in the worst of life, God is present, God is still beautiful, and we are still able by his grace to seek him. Sometimes the song ends on an unresolved note, like a jazz tune. Sometimes it ends in a minor key. And I'll tell you, in my role, I talk to a lot of people who are in periods of suffering, and I can't tell you how many conversations, the most encouraging conversations I have are often with people in a season of deep suffering. I've had two of these conversations in the past month people in in very difficult life circumstances who have said, you know, Chris, I've never felt closer to God than I do now. Those are people from this church family who have learned over the years to wait upon the Lord to say, along with King David, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing. One thing. Let's pray. Lord, oftentimes these aspirations, the Psalms can be helpful. Sometimes they're challenging. Sometimes we think, I want that, but I don't know how to get that. We are dependent in all things on your grace. We remember that even King David did not express this perfectly. As beautiful as this psalm is, his life did not always reflect that beauty. So we bank not on our own performance, but on your grace and on your mercy. Teach us. Teach us to wait upon the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.